Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the FSLSO Palmcast. I'm your host, Jordan Morrow, and today we are joined by Joanne Delgado of the Surplus Lines Association of California. Joanne, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. We are delighted. We are really looking forward to speaking with you. Can you just start off by telling me a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I've um, worked in the insurance and financial services industry for about 20 years. Prior to joining the California SLA in March, I was the compliance officer for a large insurance agency, which wrote commercial and consumer business uh, across all jurisdictions, admitted and not admitted. And previous to that, I was a certified project manager and Six Sigma master black belt. And I was working in various areas throughout the financial services industry. So I'm currently uh, in the process of relocating from uh, New York out to uh, San Francisco, out to the Bay Area in San Francisco. Yeah, you were in a very exciting time in your life. You were getting ready to move all the way across the country and uh, be a little closer to your home office. That is very exciting. And we were talking a little bit before the interview started, and you are actually the very first guest in the history of the FSLSO Palmcast that is from another state stamping office. This is kind of a cool little interview you get to have of, of two people from two different organizations, but still doing very similar work. So we're really excited to have you. For those that may not be aware, can you just explain the function and the role of the Surplus Lines Association of California, kind of what you do and, and what your primary functions are? Sure. So we have two primary functions. Uh, the first is that we are appointed by the California Insurance Commissioner, and that started back in 1994. And we serve as the statutory surplus line advisory organization to the Department of Insurance. We facilitate the state's capacity to monitor and direct brokers in the placement of insurance um, with approved non-admitted carriers. And so our second function is to act as a trade association. And in that capacity, we provide services for our members that are licensed as resident or non-resident California surplus line brokers, as well as other key stakeholders. So it includes education, marketplace intelligence, sure that the surplus line market is represented fairly with our regulators and legislators. And you've been working for the Surplus Line Association of California for a relatively short amount of time. Is that right? You started in, I think it was February of 2020? Uh, actually, March. So, oh, March. Uh, okay. Yeah. So relatively uh, recent. Well, welcome aboard. We're, <laughs> we're very excited <laughs> to be talking with you now. What's your experience been like so far as you're working as their vice president of education and compliance? What's it been like to coming from working in the insurance industry for a long time to now specifically working in this capacity? How's that transition been? So the transition, you know, has been a little bit different and challenging um, with, with the current pandemic that's in place. But the one word I could use is it has been busy. Uh, like the Florida service office, you know, the California SLA is really sees its job to provide compliance guidance, training, and education, as well as any update, you know, up-to-date information to our members. And much of my time has really been spent in meeting and assisting members with their compliance questions, as well as reviewing our current programs and looking for new ways that we can share information. Well, that sounds about par for the course as uh, how things go here over at FSLSO because it always seems to be busy, busy, nonstop. So especially in a time like this, it's uh, busy in a very unique and different way. So it <laughs> seems to be the same no matter where you go in the country. 
we've been talking for a few weeks um, leading up this meeting about a couple of things here and there. And you mentioned that you have some priorities that you're trying to kind of hit the ground running in your role as the vice president. So what are some of these first priorities that you're aiming to accomplish in your new role at the SLA? So we have a lot of top priorities, but our main focus has really been around training and education. So California has always provided continuing education courses to our resident members for many, for many, many years in a live format. Last year, we launched a learning center so that we could provide on-demand courses as well. And now in 2020, we're really striving to kind of expand our course selection in offering classes live, online, as well as on-demand. So we're also looking at enhancing our continuing education program by getting some applicable courses approved in other states to help and serve our non-resident licensees. Our second, I'm going to say, priority around training is similar. So we've always provided training for our members by request, and it's usually on site. So we will go to a member site and provide them with their specific training needs. And similar to the CE courses, we're in the process of launching a series of live training courses online, as well as updating some of the on-demand that's currently available. Our last priority is making sure that we're keeping our members up to date. So we ensure that our members are notified of all the regulatory changes by communicating with them via email and our website on any of the current bulletins. And we've also launched a grassroots program which invites our members to join us and ensure that their voices are also heard. Well, that training center sounds like a really exciting new service that the SLA is launching. So we at FSLSO are excited for you guys. It's going to be really helpful for a lot of people. So best of luck with that initiative. Similar to Florida, California is such a large and diverse state, both geographically and in the kinds of coverages that it faces. What kinds of unique challenges or obstacles does the SLA face when it comes to serving its members? So we have a a few unique challenges, just I'm sure the same as Florida does as well. Um, So I'm going to kind of touch on on the the top ones. And, you know, I'm going to say first we have Silicon Valley, which is the epicenter of technology. And it creates a lot of interesting opportunities for our members. So we're looking at coverages or uh, policies written around things like autonomous cars, space travel and drone technology. And we're also a state that's prone to natural disasters. In California, it's earthquakes and wildfires. And we now have a fire season in the state that puts a lot of property at risk. So the admitted market's capacity, it might be limited in some areas. So we're really looking at those opportunities uh, for the surplus line market. We're also the largest agricultural center in the United States for an emerging crop called cannabis. We also know that we need to have like a lot of education around these topics. So in terms of that learning center, we've put together not only the learning center, but also an emerging risks website, which is really where we've posted a lot of articles and are looking for input from the members on the different, uh, the different components that they're writing and how they can contribute to the market. I can't imagine that there are too many places in the United States, let alone the world, where people have the opportunity to cover risks like space travel. That's got to be a a pretty exciting coverage that you guys uh, see coming through your office. And that's just one of the things that stuck out. I mean, how many places can say that they deal with, with organizations like that? We agree. So I want to go back. 
we've talked a little bit now about your experience with the SLA, but I want to talk about your insurance career before you started with the Surplus Lines uh, Association of California. So from what I've read, you spent, I think it was 14 years working for AIG as a correspondence officer. Is that right? I was actually a compliance officer. So, um, so yes, I was with AIG for uh, a little over 14 years and worked in as a compliance officer for the surplus line agency. Now, our agency was a typical insurance agency, so it did write admitted and non-admitted business. So AIG was really a great place to work, both personally and professionally. I had a lot of opportunities to meet many wonderful people that I continue to work with and see throughout the marketplace and have watched our, you know, I think we've all watched our careers grow in many different ways. And AIG, what was, um, I'm going to say, some of the benefits is that it was really an opportunity for me to have a really broad exposure to both a wide range of insurance products and really both the commercial and consumer marketplaces. So I've been really fortunate from that perspective. I've also had a lot of opportunity and to work on our merger and acquisition sectors and really worked with building out and developing the uh, the agency structure that's in place today. That sounds like a really unique experience to be able to see kind of two sides of the spectrum. One is working with AIG, which is one of the largest insurance companies in the entire world, and next coming to kind of lead the Surplus Lines Association of California along with your other peers. That seems like it's two very different roles, but one that I imagine you get to bring over so much of your expertise and uh, what you've experienced with AIG into that role. So we're really excited for you as you become more and more, more and more immersed with leading the SLA and can't wait to see the kind of impact that you're going to have over there. So as we are recording this, it is currently early June, and as everyone knows, we are still weathering the coronavirus pandemic. That's obviously had an impact on not only FSLSO, but pretty much every person in the world in some way or another. How has the COVID-19 pandemic affected the SLA and its members? COVID-19 has had a severe impact on everyone everywhere. And the California SLA is trying to do its part to facilitate good community stewardship by reducing the risk and spread of the virus. Um, We have moved our operations to a full telecommute environment and plan to keep that telecommute status in place until we feel that the risk and uh, spread of the virus is to a minimum. So it's something that we're monitoring on a day-by-day basis. We had initially set a date of July 31st, and uh, we're already looking at pushing that back by several months, just in terms of how we're monitoring the risk to our employees. During the change, our, our SLA offices have remained fully functional. So we have been able to provide all of the same services and turnaround times as we had when we were in the office. So we've really spent a lot of time to focus on the operation running just as it would as if it were any other time. We have phone support uh, available 24 hours a day. And essentially, we have the online filing software, which, again, gives brokers the same flexibility that they've always had to, um, to submit those filings seven days a week. Our broker members, we're doing everything that we can to support them during these times. So some of the different areas where there's have obviously been 
questions that we've tried to support and advise them on are relative to signatures that might be required. So in California, many of the forms requiring original signatures or wet signatures and what types of alternatives and solutions we can offer to the broker members. So we're working on several different fronts to be able to keep the operations running smooth during this time, um, as well as to provide the same types of compliance support that we have um, in the past. Yeah, it's absolutely required a lot of planning on the go on the fly. And as you mentioned, it is kind of a week-to-week, day-to-day sort of scenario that requires a lot of reevaluating. And for a lot of people, including myself, this is the first time that I spent a lot of time working remotely for an extended period of time. You know, there may be offices where people get to work from home one day a week or they get to do it every other day or excuse me, every other week, stuff like that. But for so many people, this is the first time that they've been working remotely for weeks and now probably months at a time. So do you have any tips for insurance professionals or recommendations for things that they can do to help stay focused and stay uh, in the right mindset as working remotely becomes part of everyday life? Sure. And um, much of it really does center around having a schedule. And, you know, one of the things we focused on for our employees, and we also talk to our broker members as well, is is making sure that the work-life balance is in place. So when you're working remotely, it's very easy to spend too much time and get so involved in the work that we uh, don't find ourselves in the balance of the day-to-day. So our biggest recommendation is to have a schedule and to have a checklist of what we want to accomplish each day and to make sure that we have very, that we set stringent times for ourselves in terms of stopping or in starting, uh, setting a time to take a break throughout the day and um, as well to schedule a lunch break where you can maybe step outside and get a little fresh air now that things are are starting to uh, to become a little bit more comfortable in terms of the numbers that we're seeing. But it is really important to, to manage your schedule and ensure that your work schedule while you're at home is very much the same as it would be as if you were in the office. So don't give up that break as well. Many of us have children at home while we're working at home. And it's important to recognize that this is um, something new for them as well. And that adjustment is is also something that we need to take into consideration as we're working remotely, is how we balance it for the children that we might also have to look after and try to keep on task. So um, it can be some, ch- these are have been some challenging times. And uh, it's often, uh, you know, I'm going to say somewhat of a struggle to kind of keep everything in place. So sometimes, you know, people will say, oh, well, if you work at home, it's so much easier. But it's not always easier if you can't keep your balance and ensure that you have the time and support to kind of keep things in uh, in their right buckets. I completely agree with that. I think that so often, even when we're in the office, it's easy, it's so easy to look up and it's already one or one thirty or two o'clock when you haven't gone to lunch yet. And I think at least in my experience and working remotely, it's even easier to do that at home because you just don't think about it. You're not in the same mindset and you're kind of, in some ways, you're more comfortable working at home because it's a more familiar environment. So it's way easier through and not look up until, oh my gosh, now the sun's starting to go down. So (laughs) I think that's a great idea and a great tip to just 
really think about ways that you can use, whether it's uh, scheduling software. You know, we've had a lot of success in our team implementing that in the recent months of kind of focusing on our day-to-day items uh, more so than kind of a week-to-week schedule just to kind of help you prioritize what's important for the day and then keeping track of it to make sure you're using your time as well as possible. Because you're absolutely right. It's important to find that balance. And especially people with uh, families at home that they're taking care of, it can really be a lot to juggle. So that's some great advice. Really appreciate your input there. That is the last uh, kind of fixed solid question that I have for you. And I really appreciated the advice that, that you've given us and sharing with us about your, your life, your career, and your time with the SLA and more. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with us before we finish up? Well, and, and Jordan, you, you touched on it and I didn't entirely answer the question before, which is really what do we see in our insurance environment, right? With the, with the outbreak or the pandemic that we've all been faced with. And one of the things that we've looked at in the insurance market is that the insurance market, while it's been as strong as ever, and I can say that we've not really seen a drop in the premiums and business writing that we would, um, that we might have initially expected. But where we are looking and working for our members is really looking at E&O coverages and the types of impacts and the impact of E&O on our, on our broker members. Um, as well as on our carriers, which of course we also have responsibility for. So, um, so we have um, put together a COVID nineteen website on our on which is located. You know, the link is within the SLA website, and within there, we actually just released a video short on the concerns and ways to uh, look at the E and O impacts on the brokerage community. So I did want to point it out because essentially the biggest concern for the market is with the number of um, with the very large numbers of, of people that are unemployed and businesses that are closed. What happens when those when those things are in place and how does insurance support those industries? And so the ENOP seems to, uh, to have become particularly important as of late. And uh, there are several lawsuits out there. And so what we're looking at is really how can we best support our brokers in how to handle those challenges. For listeners that may not know, what's the SLA's web address? Where can they find that at? Uh, It would be uh, the web address is uh, www.slacal.com. Okay, great. Well, if you're listening and you think that information that Joanne described might be helpful to you, be sure to go to their website, check it out. I'm sure they have a lot of resources and tips that will um, bring you up to date and that you can find really helpful. Joanne, thank you so much for joining me today. I've really enjoyed speaking with you and learning more about you and your career. Thank you. I really, uh, I thank you for taking the time to meet with me and uh, look forward to continuing to work with, uh, with the Florida office. If you liked this episode of the FSLSO Palmcast, consider checking out our other episodes. You can find them on FSLSO.com, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Thank you again for joining us via Microsoft Teams. We've really appreciated the opportunity to do this interview remotely. It's been wonderful. It's our second one, in fact. And be sure to follow FSLSO on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram for updates about future episodes. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.